morning, everyone. Good to see everyone. <coughs> the uh, Pasuk tells us in Parashat Shoftim, that you should not encroach upon the borders of your friend's uh, property in the uh, areas of Eretz Yisrael where you were inherit after the uh, different properties were distributed and allotted to the Shvatim and their Mishpachos. And this uh, Iser is referenced as well in this coming week's parashim, parashim, of Arumasik Vureyehu, that a person who encroaches on his friend's uh, property uh, should be uh, should be cursed. So the Sifrei writes in Parshas Shoftim that this Isa really relates only to encroaching upon the boundaries of ancestral properties in Eretz Yisrael. So the, therefore the Sifrei asks, isn't this already included in the Isa of Loisigzo? That a person who encroaches upon his uh, friend's property in Eretz Yisrael has already violated the Isa of Loisigzo, subsumed within a much larger Isa. So why then do we need a separate independent uh, Iser of Loisasik Vurecha? Shouldn't that already be included in the Iser of Loisigzo? So in fact, the Sifrei says, yes, it's really just Lavar Alav Bishnei Lavin in Eretz Yisrael, a person who encroaches upon his friend's property in Eretz Yisrael is violated two Iserim. Number one, Loisigzo. Number two, Loisasik Vurecha. You should not encroach upon your friend's property. And that's really what the Easter is limited to. However, colloquially, as we all know, the uh, Easter of Leisasig Gvul uh, Reacha is usually evoked in a different context, and that is uh, what is technically referred to as Yared Nasa Shachaveroi, a person who encroaches or infringes upon his other, uh, his, upon his friend's Parnasa. And that issue is a uh, very relevant Lamais, and that's what uh, I would like to, uh, to focus on uh, this morning. It really emerges from a sugi in the Gemara Mesechlis Baba Basra and Chafal from the Beis. The Gemara quotes a machlek is between Rav Huna and Rav Huna Bereid Rabbi Yeshua, whether or not there is, uh, or what is the nature of the Easter, or the parameters of the Easter being Yorid L'Toyich Nasa Shochaveroi. The Gemara begins quoting Rav Huna, Amr Rav Huna, over here, Ois Beis, Hai Bar Mevua Deuke Recha. There's one member of a Mavoy, one resident, who uh, is, uh, has a business as a mill worker. He grinds wheat. V'asu Bar Mevua Chavre, Gabe. Another resident of the same Mavoy opens the same uh, similar business. So Dino Huda he can prevent him from opening. You are uh, preventing me, disabling me from being able to earn a Parnasa by opening a similar store. So if Huna holds, he can prevent him from opening uh, a similar store. But if you look uh, at the end of the second line, the Gemara asks, but we have a contradictory statement. We'll get back to the middle part of the Gemara in a second. A person is allowed to open up a store next to, you know, similar store next to his friend. Or a bathhouse next to another bathhouse. The uh, initial proprietor, the first one who is there, cannot prevent the second one from opening. You do in your property, in your store. You do yours and I'll do mine. And uh, we'll both be able to be successful. So you see that uh, you are allowed to do this, not like Rav Huna. And in fact, I'm Rav Huna Bereder B'Yeshua, Pshitali, it's obvious to me, Barmasa, a Barmasa, if you have one person in the town, another person uh, who comes from a different pound, I'm sorry, Barmasa, a Barmasa, Achrisi, if there's one person who has a store in this town, and then someone wants to come from another town and open the same store here, Mati then he can prevent him from doing so. He says, you don't live here. Vishak with Karaga, but if he pays the taxes here, 
and the hacha lo matzi ma'akev. Then he cannot prevent him from opening up. And certainly, if he lives there, bar mavua, bar mavua the If they both live within the same community, lo matzi ma'akev. He cannot prevent him from opening up. So the Gemara first quoted the opinion of Rav Huna that uh, the initial store owner can prevent someone from opening a similar store by saying, you're preventing me from being able to earn a living. But then Rav Huna uh, disagrees, basically, echoing the previous statement that uh, every person can say, as long as they're both residents or pay taxes in that, uh, in that neighborhood. <laughs> Then the Gemara goes on, even though this is generally a machaik seen Rav Huna, Rav Huna to be Yeshua, there is one case where they all agree. Amr of Yosef, Umaydi Rav Huna, Rav Huna, who normally holds you cannot open a similar store in the same neighborhood, is Maydi Bemikri the Dardaki, by a yeshiva or a malamid. The Loi Matzi Ma'akev, he cannot prevent someone from opening a similar yeshiva in the neighborhood. The Amar Mar, Kina Seifrim Tarba Chachma. Because the number of yeshivas or the uh, co- competition between the yeshivas will itself lead to a greater uh, to, to, to a communal advantage that there will be greater chachma within, within the town. And generally speaking that is the halacha, it's agreed, agreed upon by everybody in the Gemara that uh, one is allowed to open a yeshiva even where there is an existing yeshiva already in the town and writes the chazan ish and I'm going to be talking over here Ois Gimel, that even if it will put the first yeshiva out of business it is allowed. The Chazanish describes a scene which could occur in uh, any uh, different settings of uh, where you know there's an initial uh, hometown yeshiva and then someone comes and wants to open a new yeshiva and says uh, Chazanish, everyone is always not happy with the status quo and wants to, uh, the new yeshiva. And everyone starts to flock to the new yeshiva and it's putting uh, the old yeshiva out of business. And the Chazanish says, one might think ethically, morally, it's the right thing to defend the existing yeshiva. And he says, you will wage a mochemist mitzvah to defend the existing uh, yeshiva and you'll uh, try and destroy the reputations of those who are, who are opening the new one. And the Chazan Ish says, but Akshav, over here, we pick up over here, now that we conclude in the Gemara that that becomes the ethical imperative. That's what's morally, uh, the moral high ground. And he says, why is that the case? Because what is in the communal best interest of from that we should have the best yeshiva possible, that trumps, that is more important, even though it might put individual people out of business or might ruin individual people's parnasa, what is in the communal best interest <coughs> takes priority. And then he goes on to say, and whoever continues with this Mohammed's mitzvah against the halacha, even though he might think ethically he's doing what's correct, is in fact he is wrong. And he says, Even though he thinks what he's doing is correct, in fact he is incorrect. So the Chazanish says, even though it's going to put the first yeshiva out of business, what is in the public best interest takes priority. At the same time, because that is the motivation behind this halacha, uh, it depends on the community. You might have a situation where a new yeshiva wants to open and uh, they're threatening the existence of the original yeshiva, but it doesn't serve the communal needs. It might only serve a niche uh, group, and the, the larger population in the community will never send their kids there. So in which case, neither school will be successful, or neither school will be able to service the needs of the community properly. So if the whole reason is what is in the communal best interest, it depends on the demographic and the type of yeshiva that's opening. One might determine, uh, if you have to know, the, obviously, the lay of the land and know the demographics of the community, but if it is not in the best interest of the community, because it will perhaps put both yeshivas out of business, or 
uh, won't serve it. Neither one will be able to provide a, va you know, a, a proper standard of education. So then it's not kinesay from Tarbuk Chokmah, in which so, case so it's in, uh, to the detriment of the sure community. I'm not getting involved in details, but yeah. It doesn't comment on the person who's opening the school, so to speak, right? Right, well, they, whoever's opening the school has the right to do so, can I say from Tarbuk Chokmah, but there might be an injunction placed upon them if it's determined that it's not in the communal best interest. The whole reason this is allowed is what's in the communal best interest, so that you have someone has to, who knows that has to be able to determine it. But if we're not discussing yeshivas, the Gemara has this machlekes, between Rav Huna and Rav Huna Brei Derbi Yeshua by any other endeavor or business, uh, is one prevented, is one allowed to open uh, a similar store in a neighborhood where that kind of store already exists? Or if Huna holds, you're not allowed to do it because the first initial store owner can say, Kapasak Lelech Yusei. And if Huna, Beredu Yeshua, disagrees and he says, No, you do yours and I'll do mine. So, how do we paskin? If not all of them, Taisvis, the Rambam, the Rosh. All passing like Rav Huna Bereid Rabbi Yeshua, and that's the way it's quoted in Shulchan Aruch that one is allowed to open up a store in a neighborhood, even though there is already an existing uh, similar store uh, within that neighborhood. However, the Hagoyis Maimnius, which is of course a commentary on the bottom of the Rambam, writes over here Ois Dawid quotes in the name of the Rav Yoh. He says, "Umavoy Hasasim Begimot Stadim." That's an alleyway that's closed off on three sides. You can only enter on one side. Vidar Ruven Ruven, who was the initial store owner, has a uh, store all the way at the end of the alley. Shimon comes and he opens the similar store at the opening of the alleyway. You can't get to the back store, you know, to the, the one that's further in, unless you first pass by Shimon, the new store. So says. Uh, here it's quoting in the name of the Aviyasaf, which is the Rav Yoh, says the Rav Yoh, <laughs> He can prevent the back store owner, who was there first, can prevent the new store at the opening of the Mavoy from opening. Why? Like Rav Huna. So what does that mean? Does that mean the Rav Yoh is passing like Rav Huna? So that's how the Beis Yosef interprets it. He says, oh, he's passing like Rav Huna. That's a minority opinion that we share, and we don't pass in like Rav Huna. We pass like Rav Huna, Brei Debi Yeshua. I can say you're doing in yours, I'm doing in mine, and there's no Yisra of Hasagas Gul by opening a similar store, and therefore this comment of the Rav Yosh should be dismissed. It is not relevant to Lamaisa. However, the Ramah, not in his Hagos on Shulchan Aruch, the Ramah in his Chuvis in Simen Yud, with regards to a very celebrated case, which we'll get to in a minute, the Ramah writes, no, the Rav Yosh here is telling us something that everyone would agree to. Even Rav Huna Bereid Yeshua here would agree to Rav Huna in the case of the Mavoy. Why? There is certain uh, loss that will be incurred by the first store owner. You see, if I open up a store on one block, you have a store on another block. Who's to say my business will necessarily impact yours? Maybe it will, maybe it won't. That's the Machlaikas of Huna and Rav Huna Bereid Yeshua. But over here, where I'm at the back of the Mavoy, and you now open up in the front of the Mavoy, and you have to pass by your store in order to get to mine, they will certainly be financially impacted by you opening this store. Kuli Yamamoidu, says the Huna. There, everybody agrees that the first store owner can prevent the second one from opening because it's what he calls Bari Hazekel. There will certainly be a financial impact. When is the Machlaikas? We're not sure. But here, it's Bari Hazekel. The Sam Sefer explains it 
perhaps clarifies the Ramah, or perhaps limits the Ramah. I think he, this is probably what the Ramah meant. The Chsam Soifer is quoted by the Pischei Tshuva and Chesh Mishpah, where these halachas appear, as defining a little bit uh, more clearly the, uh, the Psaq of the Ramah. Chsam Soifer is also dealing with a celebrated case, which we'll get to uh, again in a few minutes. Yeah? What happens if you offer to mitigate the damages? You say, listen, the other store is available. You move up there, I'll go in the back. He says, Bari, it's Bari Yazeka, but the person who took the new store could say, listen, you're in the back of the year. If you go to the front and you think it's so good, I'll go in the back of your store. Yeah. So it's not Bari Yazeka, you could trade and mitigate also. Correct. And the, and for the Ramah. It's not Bari. Bari, he's not offering that. <laughs> he likes his placement. There's a terror. Why doesn't he offer that as a, as a, as a solution? We want to know in theory, exactly. If he so did, that would change the case. He said no, then he could take it? Even Bari Azeka? You're saying, you're saying, if I offered the back guy to move and he says no, then I could take the back? I don't know. Good question. I don't know. There could be a lot of other He might not have to move. Uh, he yeah. says, I could say, I don't want to move. I don't want to move, but he's saying, okay, so I'll take it. I don't know if you have the right to do he's that to him. Move, that means it's not Bari he has the right to live in his property, according to the Ramah, and he has the right to do his business where he wants. That's what the Ramah says. The Chsam Soifer just defines it a little bit more. I think it will help just, you know, in terms of the parameters of it. Lamaisa, Chsam Soifer says that it doesn't mean that it will financially impact him. It's not enough that there'll be a financial impact. What the Chsam Soifer says is the only time the Rav Yah argued that Rav Huna would agree with Rav Huna is if you're going to be Paisik Lechiyusei. He won't be able to make a living. The Rav Huna, look at the Chsam Soifer over here, Oisvav in the Pischei Tshuva. The Rav Huna Machshav Gamzele Pisik Lechiyusei. When is there a machlek between Rav Huna and Rav Huna Rabbi Yeshua about a person opening a second store in the same neighborhood is where, uh, where it's um, only going to financially impact your business, but you won't have to, won't put you into financial ruin. You'll still be able to earn a parnasa, but you won't be making as much money. So Rav Huna holds, that's also called Paisik Lechiyusa. You can't make as much money. It's already like, uh, the, uh, you won't be able to make a living. And Rav Huna Rabbi Yeshua says, no, you'll make a little less money, but you can stay in business then it's allowed. But if you'll put the guy out of business, says Chsam Soifer, that's what the Ramo was arguing, everyone would agree. The Rav Huna, Mashiv Gam We don't pask in that a lessening of Parnasa, you make less money, it's called Paisik L'chiyusei. You're weakening his ability to earn a Parnasa. Maybe they'll come to you too. If you will put him out of business, if you're going to put him out of business, then everyone would agree, uh, says the Chsam Seifer, with Rav Huna, that the first store owner could prevent the second one from opening up. Rav Maisha defines perhaps the Chsam Seifer a little bit more, just to put it uh, again into more practical terms. Rav Maisha was asked about a person who has, wants to open a second shul in town. Actually, I don't think the one who opened the second shul asked the Shiloh. It's usually the one who has the first shul who asked the Shiloh. So the guy who has the first shul asked the Shiloh uh, that a person wanted to open up a second shul in town, and the second shul didn't have a rub, and the first one did. A complicated uh, situation, but they wanted to know if there was an issue of Hasagas ha- Gvul. So they said, well, they'll take Ms. Palam away, but the first one will still be able to have a minion, but they won't have as many members as they previously had. So Ramayusha says... Uh, in that shuva, he calls to the paskins like this, some cipher, that if they both can stay in business, then it's allowed. But Ramayusha says, staying in business is not enough. You have to be able, the rub of that first shul has to be able, the shul has to be able to support the rub with a uh, standard of living that's accepted uh, in that social context. Well, you know, he has to be able to put food on the table and to pay his, uh, you know, to, to pay his expenses. 
just because they have a minion and the shul is going to continue to run, but if they can't, you know, support the, uh, the rav, in, uh, in that social context, you can't be able to afford what most, uh, the average person will be able to afford, and that's called Pascha L'chiyusei. And he is uh, effectively putting him out of business. So that's the Psaq of the Ramah, that's the Psaq of the Chassam Seifer, Ramah goes in that direction as well, that you're allowed to open up a second store in the same neighborhood, as long <laughs> as both will be able to stay in business, and both people will be able to earn an average Parnosa. <coughs> yeah? Why isn't the show up the same how long? As Mikri did die, because kin if you're teaching, then it's kin aside from Tarbuk Hoffman. A shul maybe provides a different maybe service. Maybe now when the shul was more predominant in the love. Yeah. He's saying one shul should be able to put another shul out of business. That's not the real mandate of a shul. We, we have a broader mandate. You know, we have uh, we take on other responsibilities too. You know, as a communal resource and other things. But it's the primary mandate of a shul is the. Is to, I don't want to get involved with the philosophies of shuls, but it's, it's, to, uh, it's to provide, it's you know, davening services, it, it, I think. Isn't it really very difficult to pask and halacha based on, will it be putting it out of business, will it really affect me? Open another shul, down the block. So, how, do you, how do you pass an halacha l'chachila that, that is going gonna to affect your salary if you open that other shul? That's so that's where the great that's where the, the most difficult part of this is figuring out. First of all, you have to know the community. To ask someone who lives outside is very difficult. He doesn't know the community, and you have to know is it going to affect put put the guy out of business or is it just going to affect the business? That's a, it's a very difficult, a very the difficult position. Is, the practically, question is not if you're going to put the other party out of business, but what does the community need and want? Is that shul servicing the community? That's coming back to the kinasay from Tabrachacham, meaning it's the communal interest. Correct. And what if that store has poor customer service and bad products? Doesn't the oh, we'll get to that. 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 And in business, you can't be complacent. Ruben, when the front property became Correct. available, should have grabbed it. You can't just As Okay, we'll get to that. I think that's going to be uh, covered by the next point, but okay. So that, but in theory at least, that's the opinion, now you see why this area of Halakha is complex. That's the, uh, that's the position of the Ramah, the Chsam Seifer and Ramah says that if you're going to put the second guy, the first guy out of business, then it's prohibitive. If you're just going to um, take some of the business away, then it will financially impact him, but won't ruin him, <laughs> then it is allowed. However, the Pisgah Chuba goes on to quote, by the way, the Chassam Sefer brings a riot to his position. He says, what do we care? Mikri Dardaki, even Rav Huna is Moida. Even Rav Huna would agree, everyone can open up. It's open season. He said, what do we care about Rav Huna? We don't pass like Rav Huna. So says the Chassam Sefer, you see, there is an instance where we do pass like Rav Huna. And that is, if it's going to ruin the first guy. And by yeshivas, even that's allowed. But says the Chassam Sefer, from the fact that the Gemara is still handling with Rav Huna, you see that we do pass like Rav Huna, at least in one scenario, and that is if you're going to ruin the first, uh, the first, the first door. However, the Pesach goes on to quote the Chavaz Yoyer, and this is the opinion as well as the Divrei Chaim, was the opinion of the Beis Ephraim, of Ephraim Zalman Margolius, who disagreed. And they held this entire statement of the Rav Yoh is Shaloika Halacha. Like the Beis Yosef said, Rav Yoh about the Mavoy and the two stores, one is further in and the other is at the entrance, and it's going to be Bari Hazek, and you can put the guy out of business, which is what the entire Ramah was predicated upon. They said, we don't accept that statement of the Ramah, uh, of the uh, Rav Yoh. That's like Rav Huna. We don't pass like Rav Huna. We pass like Rav Huna, Brady, Yeshua. And therefore says the Chavis Yoyer, even if you're going to put the first guy out of business, it's allowed. It's mutameikir adin to open a second store in the same neighborhood, as long as you live in that town. And he brings a raya from the Gemara Masechtas Marcus. The Gemara Masechtas Marcus quotes 
that uh, David HaMelech said 11 Midas uh, Chesidus that are Kedai to be Mechabel. All alluded to in that parak of Tehillim, and Miyagor Ba'olecha, Miyishkain Bahar Kachecha. So one of the Midas Chesidus that's mentioned by the Gemara Mesechlis Makis, it's quoted here by the Pischei Tshuva, is like also L'Re'ehu Ra. He didn't harm his friend. What does that mean? He didn't uh, infringe upon his friend's umnis. So that's a Midas Chesidus, says the Chavos Yoya. That implies, Mechlal B'Shari, Me'ikar Adin. In fact, it is Mutter. And that's the opinion of the, uh, many Paiskim. Not like the Chesam Seifer, the Chavos Yoya, the Debei Chaim, again, the Beis Ephraim, and even contemporary Paiskim Lamaisa, who disagree with Ramayisha and hold that there are no limits on competition. We pass in like Rabhuna's Brader B'Yeshua, you do in your uh, store and I'll do in mine. And uh, you cannot prevent the second store uh, from opening. That said, it's a machlekes of contemporary Paiskim Lamaisa. So again, that further complicates the issue. But there are two cases, or two scenarios, uh, where everyone agrees with the other position. Even according to those, like uh, who follow the opinion of the Chesam Seifer and the Ramah, Ramah subscribes to that position, who hold that if you're going to put the first guy out of business, you're not allowed to open a second store in the same neighborhood, uh, agree that if it's better quality product or you're offering cheaper prices, then it is allowed. And this is based on the Rimigash. The Rimigash writes, and that Gemara Mesechlis Baba Basra, it's over here, Oisches, Miu Mistabalon, the Hanimi Liku, Heikudelek, Apseidal Aloichim. Again, there's no loss to the consumer. The interest of the consumer uh, is paramount to more, meaning it's more important than that of each individual proprietor. Who could go into Shavu Davim Adadi, Veshavin Iski Nami Adadi. Where the, the 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 prices are the same and the merchandise is the same. There, there's no benefit to the consumer one store over the other. Of the therefore the rabbanu made a takana. You shouldn't open a similar business in the same neighborhood. But if there is if there is a benefit to the consumer, uh, it's better pricing, better quality. Uh, then it is uh, then it is allowed. So oftentimes you have a little shop, a grocery store in a neighborhood is uh, you know exists, but they don't offer takeout, they don't offer fresh fish. Now another store wants to open up, and they offer all of these things and more. So then uh, it could be argued that it's allowed, or the bigger store can offer cheaper prices than a smaller store. In all of these scenarios, everyone would agree that there's no issue uh, of hasagas kvul. All the price can say though to do predatory pricing. Like let's say one store opens up, they charge uh, cheap for a year. And then put the first guy out of business. So that's 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 that. And then later on, they're they're going to cheat the consumer. They're going to raise the prices more than the first guy ever raised the prices. So that 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 is not in the best interest of the consumer. And that that, that would be awesome. But if you just have volume or you have better quality, then it would be allowed. But again, this becomes a gray area. A guy opens up a pizza shop or has a shawarma store in the neighborhood, and then another guy comes and he opens the same store. Uh, assuming the community can't support both, it's determined by the by uh, Dayonim that they can't support both. The guy say, "Well, I offer better shawarma." That guy's shawarma is no. Yeah. Or yeah, I, that guy doesn't know how to make pizza. Couldn't make pizza, you know. Uh, no, but the proof is in the pudding. Okay. If, if they don't steal the customers, then it was fine. And if they do steal the customers, then obviously they were offering something better. Yeah, like capitalism. Whether that the consumer will figure it out. And the consumer will. Best man win. Agreed. I agree. I but think the community supports both of them. It's we hard to know to what's called life. a better product. A uh, better product is oftentimes in the eye of the beholder. No, but the point is that if you it's open hard. the second store, it's hard to determine. And you steal all the customers, How much then obviously you have a better be product. Better One other case where everyone agrees, no, even if they just offer a better hexer, by the way, some place can say. You have an alley. Better hexer. That's for the benefit of the consumer. Same exact store. One goes in front of the other guy, then he steals the customers. 
Yeah. One other case where all the price can agree is what if you have a business district? Let's say a guy wants to open a diamond store, 47th Street. So you can't, no one can say, well, you're impacting our business. That's a, it's open, open, uh, open in, the, in that kind of environment. Or certainly even, any type of environment which has constant flow of uh, customers and it's hard to even predict where the customers are coming from, it's hard to argue that there'll be an issue of Hasagos And therefore, certainly online, to open a similar store, even though such a store already exists, would be, uh, to prevent someone from doing that would be, would, would be ridiculous. So those are the scenarios where everyone agrees that even those who normally limit it, if you're going to put the first guy out of business here, everyone would agree that it is allowed. There is one case where everyone would agree, though, that it's improper. And that's mentioned by the Gemara Mesechlis Baba Basar over here on the second line. Le'em Isayle, Marchikim Mitsudas Hadag Min Hadag. The Gemara tried to bring a riot to the opinion of Rav Huna that you have to limit uh, competition if it's going to impact the first guy's business, put, um, even minimally. Le'em Isayle, Marchikim Mitsudas Hadag Min Hadag, Kum Loi Ritzas Hadag. One guy put out fish nets, and in order to lure the fish in, he puts dead fish in the fish nets or bait. And someone else, once fish are going to that guy's net, I put my net right next to yours. So the fish are going to come to my net too. Sigmar says, that you're not allowed to do. You have to distance it from the first net. As far as the fish can swim. How far is that? Ad parsa. A parsa away. So don't you see like Ravuna? I can't put my net next to your net. So so too, I can't put my store next to your store. So Gemara, there's different. Shiny dagim. The heavy siyara. The dagim are following after the bait. So therefore, I can't put my net next to your net. So the uh, Rashba understands in his Chuvis, Chayo Gimel, Simon Pei Gimel, understands the limitation of the Gemara to be, or the meaning of the Gemara to be, is those customers are already my customers. <coughs> meaning, uh, they're already in my store. They're coming to my bait. Now you're going to come into my store and poach customers? That everyone would agree, says the, uh-huh. says the Rashba, even according to Rabbi Huna Yeshua, who doesn't put too many limits on competition, it's improper to po- poach uh, customers. So to walk into a store and start recruiting customers for your store, or to walk into a shul and recruit customers for your shul, all, all of that is, uh, is clearly improper. Or if someone has an exclusive contract with a certain distributor, and I'm a similar uh, distributor, and I walk over and I say, you know, I could do the same business for cheaper, uh, at that point already you're poaching customers, and that's, that, that's perhaps improper. You are allowed to advertise your product. I can put it out in the public sphere. And again, you know, may the best man win. But uh, to actively go and poach customers is already uh, at that point a little, a little bit more tricky. Store, aren't you always poaching customers? Huh? There's only one store in the neighborhood. Yeah, but I put it in the public domain. The customer chooses. But if I, uh, if I approach the customer and I know that you're a customer of another store already, that that's uh, that's improper. Ramayisha was asked by a hashgacha that uh, had the hashgach, was giving the hashgach on a certain product, and another hashgach that was a little bit cheaper came and they wanted to undercut them. So Marisha said that, that that's wrong. To approach the customer and, uh, and offer just to do the service for cheaper is already poaching customers, and everyone would agree in that situation that that's uh, improper to do. That's only when the customer's in the domain of that business owner, right? If the customer's in the public domain, another business would market to that customer and say, I can offer you Advertising. Exactly. Yeah, but to actively go, let's say a guy leaves yeah, a business, he uh, takes the, you know, a lawyer gets fired, disgruntled employee, and he takes the Rolodex with him, and he goes and he calls everybody in the Rolodex, I could do this for better, then that's, uh, <coughs> that's the wrong. The basis of those, uh, of, 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 <coughs> of those is based on those things, though. So you're saying the guy is charging more, he can't undercut his price, even though he probably could charge as little also, and he's taking more money from the community. 
So you're protecting him with it. With the no, if you could offer better prices, you have every right to put it out in the public domain. The question is, can you poach customers with a yeah, cheaper price? Of course, cheaper prices. Posting yeah, but the question is, can I approach the customer? Can you walk into the market? No. You can advertise. Go over to the customer and say to the customer, come to my store. As opposed right. to just putting it in the public. This guy, like for, for the Marshall, this comes up in Eretz Yisrael all the time. We're here in America. They have, let's say, New Jersey Transit or MTA has a bus stop, and the Spanish bus comes along. What, what are people waiting there for? They're waiting there for the public bus. They come along, they charge a cheaper price. Why are you there at the public bus? Stop you waiting for the public transportation. So the Spanish bus comes and charges a cheaper price. That's mamish, should be. Even though they're offering the same service at a cheaper price, but they're, they're taking the customers away from the public <laughs> transportation. If I'm a taxi and I just pass by, you know, and you, you wave me down, and I see it, so they're fine. I Can offer a better... Right. Can I say for Okay. Poaching customers. And he calls the customers. Yeah. yeah, that's this case. So to actively approach customers is, uh, is more tricky. So it provided better service. And yeah, a more comfortable seat. That, by the way, that's... And uh, so it could be the people who are waiting there are not necessarily customers of the MTA. They're waiting there because they want to see whoever comes first. Yeah, it's a gray area as to whose customers they were. If it's my book of business, if I built those yeah. customers up, so who owns them? Ah, that's a good argument. Okay. Those are my customers. Right. So my boss wasn't paying me enough, so now I go somewhere else. Correct. And I, I take my customers with me. These are the general principles, but you're right. Your case is, might be different. The uh, one scenario where this issue is uh, particularly <laughs> relevant is with, with regards to the issue of copyright. Generally speaking, um, the roy of the majority of Paiskim, overwhelming majority of Paiskim, assume that there is no classical uh, property rights when it comes to intellectual property. The Gemara tells us in Mesechlis Megillah, as long as I attribute uh, credit where credit is due, I don't pass it off as my own, but I attribute credit where credit is due, uh, you know, so then you're good to go, even though uh, you don't want me to quote it. You'd rather me not quote it. It's your piece of information. Uh, once I attribute proper credit to you, I'm allowed to uh, reproduce or re- uh, or to, let's say, to take your Dvar Torah and say it over, as long as I say it over in your name. And the Rambam, it's timely, uh, perhaps more welcome, the Rambam writes in Parakal of Hilcha Shefer Locha Gimel, that if a person steals a Shefer, Shefer goes to Shetakabah Yatza, your Yatza with a stolen Shefer, why? Because the mitzvah is to hear the call of the Shefer, with regards to music, or with regards to noise, or uh, intellectual property, you don't have the same classical property rights as you have with regards to, uh, to tangible property. Therefore, presumably, it should be, let's say, a maggot shear doesn't want you to record his shear, is afraid you're going to, uh, you know, reproduce it for others. So the maggot shear really does not have any right to, 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 uh, to limit anybody from recording a shear. But Maisha writes in the Tshuva, he says, if the maggot shear isn't sure about what he's saying, you know, he, he does his best, but he's not sure it's 100% Oizgahon, or... In my opinion, then he shouldn't be saying it. But, <laughs> but, but says, but maybe the, the public will misunderstand it, or uh, will misapply it, or it's not halacha vein moirin kain. So then Ramosha says the maggot shear can limit the, the shear from being recorded. But 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 at least in theory, you really don't have the classical property rights that you would have uh, when it comes to to intellectual property. If the maggot shear is going to charge for it, then it's different. So says the Ramah, 
in a tshuva. The Ramah was asked about the fa- famous case of the Maram Padua. The Maram Padua printed a, uh, a version of the Rambam, which he uh, corrected and annotated, and he paid, uh, he went into business with a Venetian publisher to publish it. And they put a lot of, uh, invested a lot of money in the publishing of this Rambam. And then another Venetian publisher saw that the Rambam was selling well and he was upset that Maram Padua didn't publish it with him. So he uh, put out, he took the Maram Padua's uh, Rambam and he published it on his own and he didn't have the investment cost of producing it and he was selling it for a cheaper price. So the Maram Padua came to the Ramah for some relief. So the Ramah says, even though there's no property rights in intellectual property, at the same time you're in a business of selling the Rambam. And this person, the second publisher, by publishing the Rambam at a cheaper price is, uh, is impacting uh, upon your business. So said the Ramah should be included in uh, the issue of Hasagas Gvul. You're right, you don't own the, own the, uh, the item, you don't know, intellectual property in that sense, so that you have the right to determine who can publish it and who can't, but you did invest money and it is your business. And says the Ramah, he, this person is infringing upon your business and it's Bari Hazeka, he'll certainly impact upon your business and therefore it should be also. The Chsam Seifer, a similar situation of a person who published a Machzer, the Roldoheim, Machzer, which had uh, illustrations and things, and they invested a lot of money publishing this Machzer in the late 1700s, and they wanted to make sure no one else would uh, publish it, so they wanted to put a cherem in the beginning of the Hakdama uh, to the Machzer against all those who should publish a similar Machzer, and the Chsam Sefer echoes the Ramah that it would be an issue of Hasagas Gvul because you, you're, uh, you're going to impact upon uh, this guy's business by publishing another mafzer and charging, a, you know, p- uh, copying the mafzer and charging a cheaper price. And says the Chassam Sefer, you're going to put people out of business. He says, who in their right mind would be so foolish as to invest money publishing a book knowing someone else could just steal it, uh, copy it, and publish it for cheaper? You, no one would go into the business in the first place. So says the Chassam Sefer, it's not in the public interest and you're going to be put people out of business is an issue of Hasaga Skvu. What if, though, I don't but plan I on... But we don't, uh, but we don't, the other Paiskim don't pass like that. The other Paiskim... Who don't pass in Vasagas Gvul. Yeah. They would allow it? No. So we'll get to it in a second. Sam Seifer says, though, what if I just want to use it for personal use? Let's say, I'm not going to put the first guy out of business. As you mentioned, Hasagas Gvul, Hasagas Gvul, usually I'm going to put the first guy out of business. I'm not going to put the guy out of business. He'll lose money, but he won't be put out of business. Some Seifer argues, even though generally speaking, Hasagas Gvul wouldn't apply in that setting, uh, you'd still not be allowed uh, to copy this Maxa, even for personal use, or certainly uh, to sell it, even if it's not going to put the first guy out of business. And he quotes him a Taisus and Mesechtis Kiddushin, where Taisus quotes in the name of Rabbeinu Tam, who interpreted the Gemara about Marchikim Mitzudas Hadag Minadag, I have to distance my nets from your nets, that it's because you invested money in the bait, in the first net. So says the Chassam Seifer, whenever you invest money to create a product, you retain the rights to earn money off of that product. And anybody who uh, infringes upon those rights of yours uh, is over on the Yisra of Hasagas Kvul. Even though I didn't put you out of business, this is like Marchikin Mitsudas Hadag Adag, where everybody agrees, which is when I put money into developing a product, I have the rights to retain, uh, to make money off of that product. And by you copying it, even if it's just for personal use, or you copying it certainly to sell, even if you're not going to ruin me, uh, you're infringing upon my rights to make money off of that, uh, off of that product. And Ramayish is a tshuva. Therefore, a person who sells Torah tapes, you're not allowed, or, or uh, CDs, or now files, 
you're not allowed uh, to, to copy them, even if you're not going to put the person into financial ruin, because the person who created that intellectual property has the uh, right to earn money off of it, even though he doesn't own it in the classical sense, but it's like the person who put bait in the fishnet is the right uh, to make money off of it. You, and it might even put the guy into financial ruin. There was a famous case in 1997, for those people who were involved in this, uh, this uh, sphere, uh, Microsoft had a Hebrew word. I don't know if anybody who types in Hebrew extensively. They had a, not a font, they put out Microsoft Word of English, they put out in Hebrew. It was a total disaster because they put it out in Eretz Yisrael and everybody copied it from everybody else and no one paid for it. So they, uh, they went to court, they went to secular court, they, went to, they, they, they took them to a din Torah. Microsoft went to B'nai Brak and they got a... Uh, a, a Proclamation was issued that you're not allowed to copy it uh, as an Easter, but Lamaisa, they took Microsoft uh, Hebrew Word, never succeeded. Now, Word is, is integrated as part of Hebrew fonts, are part of every Microsoft Word, but the product, Hebrew Word, was a total failure. So, you see, even by personal copies, you can put a person into financial ruin. But even barring that, some service says, I have the right to make money off of a product if I created it. Hasagas Gvul, that's half the truth of the Ramah, is that Hasagas Gvul applies to Nachram as well. It's part of the Sheva Mitzvah's B'nai Nachram. That's the main part of the truth of the Ramah. This year who comes around that, he's putting out a new Mishnah. I'm aware, yeah. Yeah. Isn't that Masik Gvul? On the... This one's without Mishnah. He's got a new twist on the Mishnah. Whoever wants to publish a Mishnah Brua, by all means. Except he says in the Hakdama. Except for the plates. You could ask that. No, 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 no. They put out a lot of effort into the translation into English, into Hebrew. And another one comes out with effort into a translation into English and Hebrew. It's Isn't a, that Masik Vul? It's a different translation. There's just so many people that buy a, a, a Mishnah Bur. Somebody puts the, uh, half a half of them. Ah, 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 ah. Art scroll versus. Uh, Mesifta. Uh, yeah, but the community can't support both. First of all, some place can hold there is no such for yes, kinesiphon probably, yeah, probably. But even without that, uh, this, why is it some place. Translation. 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 If you if you like the translation, is much better. Whatever. No, different interpretation. And anyway, not everybody holds it even there. One, two last stories is Rav Zalman Goldberg, who is of course the son-in-law of Rav Shlomo Zalman, has an article in. Uh, in a journal called Truman, where he argues a similar svara to that of the Sam Sefer, but perhaps from a different angle, and that is when I sell you a tangible item, you're right, I don't have uh, classical property rights and intellectual property, but when I sold you the book, I sold you the tape, I sold you the file, I can retain, uh, I only sold it to you vis-a-vis certain things, and since I write, it's restricted for you to copy or to use it, uh, you know, to copy it, so when I sell it to you, I don't sell it to you fully, I sell it to you leaving behind uh, with myself the rights uh, to make money off of it. And if you're going to, to copy it, then it was never sold to you, not with, not with that intent, but I never sold that aspect of the product, uh, that aspect of the product to you. One last argument is made by the Chuvas Beis Yitzchak, and that is an overarching issue, and that is Dinu Malchusadina, is that we have to follow uh, the uh, laws of the land, not only with regards to levying taxes and other issues, but whatever is with Takanas B'nei Medina for the financial best interest of the entire country, we have followed Dina de Malchusadina. But at the same time, uh, quote over here, really the last thing, quoting the name of Shlomo Zalman, that if I want to copy it for personal use, and I never would have bought one in the first place, you have to be honest with yourself. You really, 
You copy the whole book, you copy the whole CD or the famous old song on the CD. Right? But if you're intellectually honest, I never would have bought this product. And it's only for personal use. So Medina de Malchusadina, it's allowed. That's called the Fair Use Act. That if you want to just use it, you know, part of it, I never would have bought the book. So, uh, so then I'm not infringing upon your rights to make money off of this item, and I'll pay dina de malchusadina, it is allowed. So then it wouldn't be a problem uh, in terms of copyright, uh, in terms of copyright either. Says, no, no. Uh, can I copy you for personal use? Am I over in, uh, in Israel if I do that?